0: Take your Bibles to Proverbs chapter three, if you will, verses nine and ten. Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and ten. Now, I was texting, uh, sending my message yesterday, as I, as I always do, and we all do, send it to Colby because he does the live stream and he does, uh, puts the verses up and stuff. And he says, Pastor, uh, I'm with several teachers um, at Bob Jones University on the east coast he said but i'm going to try to uh operate it from there so we we will see right uh if we have something up there that'll be fine if we don't we will just we'll just retro church right we we just have a bible and your notes and that's it so that that's fine we'll manage just fine um Last Wednesday, we had about, uh, I think, 18, mes- 18 minutes for the message, and then the Awanas came in for their graduation. It was amazing to hear them quote all the scripture and sing some songs, and a great crowd of kids doing that. And then on uh, Thursday night, we had kindergarten graduation with 43 uh, kindergarten students graduating. And then on Friday night, we had high school graduation graduation. I think they have 17 or 18 graduated, which is more than we started our school with many years ago. Uh, We started with 12 many, many years ago. So uh, God has been good. It certainly was great to see that. And even though um, we have uh, a lot on visiting or a lot on vacation, I should say, staff included, but uh, we still had a good crowd Sunday, and so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, Yesterday... Not yesterday, but last week our staff was talking and said uh, we are getting back to pre-COVID numbers on Sunday morning. Where we are missing everyone is Sunday night and Wednesday night. So it's that core group that got affected. And uh, many of them uh, got sick and are still maybe staying out. So we're going to continue to pray. And if you are new since COVID, then thank you for joining the ranks of those who come uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That, that's just how I grew up. Dr. Lee Robertson used to always say, three to thrive, three to thrive. I still think it works. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine and 10. Could we stand while we read that together? Or I'll read it and you follow along if you will. Uh, the Bible says, "'Honor the Lord with thy substance "'and with the first fruits of all thine increase.'" So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll take the Word of God tonight and show us some truths that are very practical and helpful to our everyday lives. Heavenly Father, you're not trying to get funds out of us. You're trying to put blessing into us, and we are so grateful for such a loving Savior and Sovereign, and and Lord, you just care for your people. And I pray that we'll just learn some practical things that will either reinforce what we already do and how we already live our lives as believers, or that it would strengthen those who perhaps are still growing in their faith and in this area of just trusting you with stewardship. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I may add, we met for about an hour and a half with an architect today for our new building. And um, I was very excited about the things he had to share. And we're looking forward to go ahead next year with the building process. And so we're certainly excited about that. I talked on biblical stewardship last Wednesday, and I got through uh, at least half of the message. And so I want to go ahead and just reiterate a little bit, very quickly, what we covered in the first point. Biblical stewardship. And of course, I'm coming from the basis of what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And so I'm just taking for granted that we show up on a Wednesday night, And we are all Bible believers. We're going to take the Bible at face value at what it says. And first thing we saw is a principled ideology, a principled ideology. In other words, it's founded on God's Word. Our principles come from one authoritative, inerrant, infallible, uh, everlasting Uh, book, and that is the Bible, the Word of God that's given to us. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. Uh, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Uh, We know when we get to the Word of God, it is totally reliable and authoritative, and it is the standard. It's not what the preacher says. It's not what the church believes. It is what does God's Word say. So it's a principled ideology, biblical stewardship. The example uh, is taught by Abraham in Genesis chapter uh, 14 verses 19 through 20. I'm not going to take the time to read that. We went through that last week. So the example is Abraham. He began tithing 430 years before the law was given. So that's Old Testament law. No, no, no. Tithing was before the law, during the law, and after the law. Matthew twenty three, twenty three. Jesus said, and these ought ye to have done, and not to left the other undone. So he's talking about uh, Pharisees that would tithe little bitty things, but omit the weightier matters of the law. And so, any way you read it, he says, These ought you to have done, either you should have tithed, and then not to left the other undone, or uh, you should have done the weightier matters, but not to left the other undone. So, he endorses giving and tithing. So, the example, the exhortation, uh, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, and verse 9, and Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, 9 and 10. And then eternal. Uh, eternal is the fact that is taught by Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus Christ is uh, speaking and in Luke chapter six verse thirty eight, give and it shall be given unto you, uh, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Uh, you see, Jesus Christ taught stewardship. He taught giving. It's not the pastor who gets up and says, you ought to give. No, he's just telling you what Jesus said. Now, you have to think, is Jesus wanting to hurt his children or help his children? Well, he died for us so we could go to heaven. That's a big help, right? So I would assume that everything else he teaches is for our benefit. It's not to hurt us. It's not to hold us back. It's not to keep us poor. It's, it's, it's to be a blessing to us. So it's eternal, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the epistle, we have the Apostle Paul, and he writes in the epistles, in Second Corinthians, uh, chapter uh, 9, uh, actually chapter 8 and chapter 9. Both of those chapters he speaks on giving, but in chapter 9, verse 6, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, he that... Uh, soweth bountifully, shall reap also bountifully. And so the Apostle Paul is actually using something that any farmer knows about. You put a little seed in the ground, you expect a little harvest. You put a lot of seed in the ground, you expect a lot of harvest. And he's just endorsing this principle of giving. And he teaches us that it is uh, reciprocal. You sow a little, you reap a little. You sow a lot, you reap a lot. And that's just a biblical principle as well as a universal law. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I said, oh, I just wish I had friends. Well, sow friendship. That's what you get. I wish somebody loved me. Sow love. That's what you get. Whatever you sow is that what you. That's what you get. And so you know, there's always people. I, I don't have no friends. Well. I Sorry, but you gotta sow friendship. You, you gotta say hi. You, you know, you can't stay in a, a cocoon and expect people to open it up and hello. Uh, and so, whatever we sow, it's what we reach uh, reap. Uh, so, the epistle, and that's biblical principle. And then finally, the inquiry, and that's in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Um, how is it? Now I hear this of thee, give an account of thy stewardship. And so here was the man who uh, wasted his goods, was given, a steward wasted his get, goods. Give an account of thy stewardship. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of, of what we've been given. So we're given an account of what God has placed in our care. So as a believer, do I own anything? No, I don't own anything. I'm a steward of it. I don't own my children. Those children are the heritage of the Lord. They belong to him. He's just entrusted me to raise them and and love on them and nurture them, but they belong to God. A church doesn't belong to the pastor. It belongs to God. He is not the shepherd. He's the under-shepherd. And Christ is the great shepherd. We all belong to Jesus. And so um, there's going to be a time we give an account. And I, I end it the message with this. The challenge of any pastor is prepare you for an eternal accounting without getting you too upset. That, that's, just, that's just the problem, isn't it? Uh, so, I, I've got to talk about you ought to be giving. Uh, you ought to be giving. Oh, I hate that pastor. All he talks is about giving. Wait a minute. I'm just trying to prepare you for the day you stand before the Lord and you give an account of what he's entrusted you with. And it won't help to say, Lord, look down, look down on earth and it, it's all in that house. It's in that three car garage. It's in it that that's what you gave me. No, no, no. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. So, in other words, I, I'm just trying to help you. Listen, there's none of us who our giving is going to make a difference to almost any church, right? I mean, you know, if you took out everything I gave and and. Uh, I know, because I'm a pastor, I'm a top-tier giver, but if you took out everything I give, listen, the church wouldn't even blink. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make a difference. So, we're not trying to do it so uh, staff members get a raise, or we get to build another, build. no, no. We're trying to get God's people to give, because that's God's Word. That, that's what God's Word teaches and we want to have the very nature of God, which is God is a giver. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So, unless we're a giver, we don't know God's nature. When he gave the best heaven had to offer, when he gave the best that he had, he that gave us his own Son, will he not also freely give us all things? Of course. He gave us his best. Okay, so finally we get to the uh, second point here, and that's a purposeful involvement, a purposeful involvement. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So first we see the action, so let him give. There's an action. There ought to be an action in every believer. So let him give. Then there ought to be an attitude, not grudgingly or of necessity. You know, oh, I hate to give. Oh, why do I have to do this? Hey, listen, if that's the attitude, might as well keep it in your pocket. Oh, I know the church could use it, but it didn't help you spiritually. God loveth a cheerful giver. So if we have the wrong attitude, you're just throwing your money away. Now, if you're just going to throw it away, put it in the offering plate. I'm just saying, but we'll use it. But, but honestly, has it helped you? No, it hasn't helped you. The church will use it. You know, they'll pay the, the light bill. They'll do something with it. I guarantee that. But it doesn't help you you've got to have the right attitude. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Not because someone twisted your arm. Not because someone uh, put you on the spot. Not because someone pressured you. Uh, not grudgingly or of necessity. And then there's not only the action but the attitude. We have the affection. For God loveth a cheerful giver. So when it all boils down, why do we give? Oh, we give, so we get. No, 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 no. God said, if we give, we get. Yeah, I understand. Is that our motivation? No. No, that's not our motivation. Because we could use that same motivation toward uh, savings account, IRA. Uh, well, we could have uh, a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> Give and lose money. You know, that's what it is today. But anyway, uh, why do we give? God loveth a cheerful giver. Can we do something that God loves when we do it? Oh, yeah. When we're cheerful in our giving, God loves that. By the way, when we win souls to Christ, does God love that? Does joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth? Yeah. Many years ago, I came up with a simple philosophy. It's just keep heaven happy. If we'll do what pleases the Lord, it's amazing how he does that which pleases us. And just just please God. And if we'll do that, God will bless. Uh, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 6, 21. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God... I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. So, in other words, uh, David is saying, I've given because I set my affection to the house of God. Now, if David did that, he's a man after God's own heart, that, that should be the same attitude we should have as well. So a purposeful involvement in stewardship, every one of us. Now, look, we all have different resources over which God has made us a uh, steward, right? We're not all the same. I mean, I remember the first time I went to work at a regular job, I, I got all of $1.60 an hour. I, I just heard today that McDonald's is offering eighteen fifty an hour. Where was that when I was, you know, getting a dollar an hour? But in some of you are a little older, you you probably got paid less. I'm sorry, I feel bad about that. But a dollar sixty. it's it's amazing. I mowed yards all summer long and saved up sixty dollars. I gave someone sixty dollars today to mow my yard. And I did it better when I was young. Well, anyway, that's another. <laughs> of course, our church mower broke some my grasp. <laughs> sure. Affection, loving God. So purposeful involvement. We ought to be involved. And then lastly, a practical increments. Practical increments. I, I know people new to faith especially. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to give. I heard someone years ago say, I don't believe in that 5% tithe. I said, me neither. But you don't want to hear what I believe. <laughs> the word tithe means tenth. Uh, so you have people who are first-time givers. And, and you know, you, you can see them because the offering's coming by and there's cold sweat. It, it's, they're a first-time giver. And, and by the way, you know, I learned to tithe when I was just a little kid and I had 10 cents allowance and one penny belonged to God. Let me say, that was just as difficult for me then as it is for a person to start tithing now. It's just, it's always difficult, no matter what level you are at. If you made a million a week, you say, you expect me to give? No, I, I don't. God does, not me. You take it up with him. Or you make $100. You've got to give 10. 10%, give that to God. Someone said that's God's rent for living on earth. I I don't know if that's true. If it is, he's not charging everybody. But (laughs) we're paying it. Uh, And that's good. Practical link, one-time, one-time givers. Then you have occasional givers. Well, we gave last time, honey, and uh, we still got money. Maybe we can do it again. Maybe we'll prove God again. Maybe we'll just test this again. Maybe we'll just, you know, wade out in the water a little bit and try. And so you start with one-time giving, then people do occasional giving, and then you have consistent giving. Boy, that's that's going on. And then you have a tither. That's someone who gives 10% of everything he passes through his hands. You know, everything that passes through his hands, someone gives you a gift. Oh, Okay. I wonder how much that was worth. Oh, it's about two or $300. Okay, I'm going to tithe on that. Well, yeah, but it's not money. It's a gift. I know, but nah, I'm just funny that way. I'm going to tithe on that because the Bible says, thine increase, increase. And if it's an increase to me, then I'm going to pass that on to God and his work. So give a 10% of all that goes through their hands. By the way, if every Christian did that, there wouldn't be a missionary from any Bible-believing church that lacked. And they wouldn't have to go around from church to church to church to church to church to church church trying to raise money. They just have it. And we could build churches on foreign soil all the time. Uh, No local church would have to worry about their building. They wouldn't have to worry about a mortgage because they wouldn't have one if everyone tithed. It's just amazing. God has a plan that works if God's people work the plan. But statistically, 3% of Americans tithe. Now, that's not a very good number. And then there's extravagant givers. Someone who gives tithes and offerings and above. Now, now in the Bible tells us that one of the spiritual gifts is, is giving. Giving. And so that's a spiritual gift. I, I like that gift. I, I like to have that gift. I don't know if I have it, but I know I look for opportunities to be a blessing to people. And I will certainly want to do that. So what I've just shared with you is uh, what we looked at last Wednesday, and we just finished that up. So now, let me start on the message for this Wednesday, okay? Now, it has the same verses, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, but allow me to read it one more time. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase, so shall thine barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Okay, and let me try to share what that says. God has a plan to benefit his children. God has a plan that benefits his children when it comes to uh, salvation. We place our faith in Christ and he saves us. So God always responds to our faith without faith it is impossible to please Him, right? So you don't get saved because you come to church and join the church or get baptized. You you get saved because you place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He rewards that faith with giving you salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You place your faith in Christ, you get saved. And God says, I want to bless you As one of my children. But here's the thing. You have to step out in faith. To receive the blessing. Okay Lord. Then what do I have to do? Uh, Jesus said give. And it shall be given unto you. Well yeah Lord. But couldn't I get. And then out of that give. Well that makes more human sense doesn't it? Get. Get. And then out of that give, uh, I've pastored for ever since I was 21. I always had people say, uh, Pastor, when I win the Reader's Digest sweepstakes, which I don't even think that's around anymore. Uh, when I win that, uh, we're going to build you a new building, a new church. Uh, yeah, if you just tied, that would help. But, you know, they don't do that. But... Is if I would get abundance, then out of that, surely I would be a blessing in God's work. No, you'd probably move to Hawaii. You'd probably find a retirement home in some. If, if you got millions of dollars, I guarantee you, you wouldn't even say bye before you were gone and living in a tropical island and drinking coconut juice right out of the coconut. I mean, that, that's where you would be. Uh, and God knows that. So he says, give and it shall be given. So we have to exercise faith and then God blesses that faith, right? So we have to put him to the test. That's why God says, prove me in Malachi. Prove me now herewith. And see if I will not open up to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. So God's trying to bless us. Here's a principle. Acts chapter 3 and verse 26 Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So he sent Jesus and he sent him to bless you. Now in this verse, he's talking about salvation. We know that. But the principle is God sent his son to be a blessing to us. Those who would trust Christ as their personal savior, those who were willing to look to Christ, look and live, be saved. I was just amazed Colby's turning that on the other side of uh, the country. And so thank you, Colby. You're doing a great job there. Uh, Now, these are tough times in some degree. And if everything I hear from people who are in the know which I don't know any like that, but they think they are, and they will tell you it's going to get tougher. Yeah, they read it on the internet, so I know it's good. It's going to get tougher. But you have to either, your hope has to either be in the economy or it has to be in God. You know, when gas is so high, now you can't afford to go to church unless church is important to you. And, and then you will. I mean, you still get to go on vacation and drive. It just has to be a priority for us. That's all. That's all. It has to be something we value. It begins with honoring God. Biblical abundance. And by the way, let me say this. Biblical abundance is not about riches. God nowhere talks about us getting rich He does mention taking care of all of our needs. And biblical abundance is having more than you need. And most of America's, uh, most Americans want more than we have. But we ought to be like Paul. I have learned in whatsoever state I am there when to be content, right? So uh, if if things are going to bring you contentment, it's never going to happen because there's always the latest, the best, the brightest, you know, you know, you could reach in your pocket and say, ah, I've, I've got an iPhone 10. <laughs> Don't you know they're making 13s now? Huh? Well. Oh. Man, I spent $1,000 for this one. Yeah, but for 1200 you could get a new one. And then as soon as you get that, they're going to come out with a 14 the next week. I guarantee you, as soon as you spend all that money, it's going to, well, this has three cameras. The next one's going to have five. It's going to take pictures while you just carry it around in your pocket. <laughs> it's really good. You know, as long as we think things. <laughs> I, I told someone the other day, I'm not like Justin. I don't know any jokes. I just make them up on the fly. <laughs> but let me say this. if If things are going to make you happy, you are never going to be happy. You go buy a brand new car and then... A month later, come out with the next model. And it does something yours doesn't do. And you think, i got to have that. How have I lived all this time without automatic parallel parking? Well, when did you need that in Beaver Creek? (laughs) What were you thinking? We're in the country. We don't need that. Yeah, but if I ever go into Portland, well, you better check your brain if you go in Portland. I mean, you, you don't want to go there. Okay, so how do you get biblical abundance? It begins with honoring God. Honoring God. That's what it says here in um, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the fruits of all thine increase. It's about honoring God. Uh, I'm paying my rent. No, no, no. I, I may pay rent, and I've paid rent a lot in my life, but I wasn't honoring my landlord when I paid my rent. But when I give to God, I'm honoring Him. I'm honoring God. It shows that God has a place in my life no one else holds. No one else holds. I'm honoring him, and that's where it all begins. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 says, "This people draweth nigh with me unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me." Someone says. Uh, well, I can honor God by volunteering. Well, that'd be a wonderful thing if you got a verse for that. But he says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. In other words, if God is going to be honored, God has the right to describe to us how we honor him. Has anyone in life ever given you a gift you didn't really care for? Oh, that's nice. You know, Pastor, I was I was in Israel. I went to the Dead Sea, and they had uh, this wonderful mud, and I got a bag of it for you. Thank you. What am I going to do with that? Oh, you can smear it all over your face, Pastor. You can. Oh, really? Okay, thank you. The backyard is going to be anointed with dead sea mud. I'm going to fling it out of the backyard or put it in a hole. The gophers will enjoy it. What I'm saying is sometimes people that care about you, try to do something nice for you, and you appreciate the effort. But the reality is sometimes the actual gift isn't so nice. When I started Grandview Baptist Church, we met in the carpenters' hall for nine years, and I had my desk was a card table, a card table with a vinyl top, and it had a rip in it about six inches long. So for my birthday the next year, the church broke down and bought me a new card table. And I never even took it out of the box. A new card table. Okay, well, oh, okay. And there was one of the secretaries that told him, I'd probably appreciate that. Yeah. I said, you'd probably appreciate a new job too. <laughs> but I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But the principle is, if we are going to give to God, if we're going to honor God, then we might as well do something that he says honors him. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So when we choose to do it that way, God has already told us it honors Him. So maybe there's other things that honor Him, but we know these things honor Him. And so if we're going to be blessed of God, it all starts with us honoring the Lord. And then secondly, giving back to God what He has asked for. The first fruits of all thine increase. First fruits is a term that has to do with the tithe. The tithe is not just tenth, it is the first tenth. It's not the last tenth. You know, I'm going I'm to wait till the end of the month, and if I have a tenth left over, I'll give that to God. No, no. I'm going to give the first tenth to God, and I'm going to trust God for me to make it through the rest of the month or the rest of the week, however you get paid. So it's always the first fruits. Because, see, it was meant to trust that the farmers would go out and and they harvest the first tenth of that field, and they give that to God, trusting that a a hailstorm wouldn't come, a rainstorm wouldn't come, a flood wouldn't come, a drought wouldn't come. And the other 90 would still be good. But it was saying, God, I'm trusting you. And and so it is in the Christian life when we give that first tenth. We're saying, Lord, I'm trusting you for everything else. Not just finances, but everything in my life. I'm trusting you. And it's just an act of faith. And and why does he use giving? Because he knows there's a string between this and this. He knows it. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He doesn't want our treasure. He wants our heart, but he knows he has to get this to get this. He knows that about us. He created us. He knows all that. And so that's why he does it. So... My task is not trying to get substance out of you, but teach you how God desires to be honored and what you can do to honor your God who sent his son and we're heaven bound instead of hell bound. If he'd asked 90%, I'm still going to heaven. I don't mind being in poverty. I'm going to heaven. Secondly, then giving back to God what He's asked for, as I mentioned, Leviticus 27, verse 30 through 32, and all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the tree fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. So in other words, God expects a tenth of everything. But in that passage, it also talks about redeeming, redeeming your tithes. And I say that that way because that's one of those points that, oh, I don't want to hear that. Okay. But let me explain and let me illustrate it. When I was working myself through Bible college... Um, I, I never made enough to pay the payment all on time. So I always had to pay everything I could, and then I always had to go back and make more payments. And one semester, I reasoned, Lord, I, I, I can't pay it. So I, I'm just going to put everything I make in, into the Bible college, And that's going to help make my payment. And so that's what I did for a semester while I was in Bible college. And then, of course, as it is, you know how it is. As soon as you decide to do something wrong, the Lord decides your pastor ought to preach on that. You know how that goes. He always, and he doesn't even know it, but God just, hey, you ought to preach. Why should I preach on that? Just trust me. Somebody needs that. (laughs) And so they, tried, they preached on that and I thought, oh boy. Now to redeem all of your tithes, it means to add 20% to it. The fifth part, 20% to it. So in other words, if, if I owed God $100 because I didn't pay a tithe on 1000 then now I owe 120 to redeem that tithe. So... What I did that next semester, instead of paying 10% for tithe, I paid 12%. And I've never paid under that ever since then. I've never. I've well redeemed that, but the principle is I felt so bad for not trusting God for one semester while I'm in, of all places, Bible college. Man, I'm at Bible college and I can't trust God. So I paid more ever since those days and I was 18 years old at the time. I'll be 68 this year. It was a long time ago. But I'm just saying that's what it means to pay ought, of the tithes. And I have over the years pastored people who got saved later and said, Lord, uh, Pastor, I, I owe the Lord a lot of money. How can I do that? I'd have to sell my house or something. I said, just do it incre- incrementally. You took from him incrementally. Why don't you give back to him incrementally? And then eventually you will catch up. Wow. Could I do that? I don't know. But Sears lets you do that. MasterCard lets you do that. Visa lets you do that. Uh, I'm just guessing God doesn't want you to sell everything you have and try to make it up. Just try to give a little more and just trust that one of these days you'll be able to make that up. And I think that's for conscientious Christians, which, honestly, I think all of us ought to be conscientious Christians. And then, finally, the result of God's promise, and we're through In verse 10, it says, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty. And it's interesting in this passage of Scripture, it doesn't say, and so shall thy barn be filled with plenty. You notice that? It says barns, plural. Plural. Now, if you've got a big barn and you're a farmer, you're doing pretty well. But if you have barns, you're doing real well. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. So barns is plural, and then it says filled with plenty. You don't go in the barn and you have a little bit here and a little bit there. It's just like, whoa, this is amazing. Look what God's done. And then your presses shall burst out with new wine. And of course, may I say as a teetotaler, that means grape juice. That's freshly squeezed grape. That's not intoxicating beverages. The Bible says, woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink. You wouldn't have that verse if God's talking about giving you wine, you know. Uh, But the average Christian today in the Northwest, I think, are drinkers. But I'm not. I don't have anything good to say about alcohol. Alcohol. If the, I've told people the Bible never said anything about it. I've seen enough women cry. I've seen enough homes busted up. I've seen what alcohol does. I don't have anything good about it. Well, it just makes me feel good. Well, living for Jesus could make you feel good too. Winning a soul to Christ makes you feel real good. You, you can There's other ways to feel good if feeling is what you're looking for burst out with new wine the re, the response to God's promises is God says your barns will be filled with plenty and the presses will burst out with new wine God is going to take care of the believer who simply tries to honor him and so that's what I'm trying to teach on how to honor God it's not because uh, we could get more out of God's people and it's not because any of us have enough that it would make a difference when it comes to the work of God. The work of God is so big that when we pass away, the work of God will miss us as much as someone pulling their finger out of a, out of a cup of water. That, that's how valuable we are to everything God's doing. Billy Sunday's in heaven, but people still get saved. Billy Graham's in heaven, but people are still getting saved. I know God used people in unusual ways, but when they went to heaven, the work of God didn't stop. Maybe it sprouted up somewhere else, and somewhere else, and somewhere else. And so... God's not trying to make us the sole support of any of his work, but he wants us to be a part of it, and he wants to bless his children, and he wants us to know the joy of serving a God who keeps his word. He keeps his word. He says he'll bless you, and you look back and say, how do we do that? How do we give that much? How'd we, how did we do that? There must be a real God in heaven. And folks, there is. And we can trust him. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts, I pray. I pray you'll challenge us all, dear Lord. Uh, with whatever you've entrusted in our care, we want to use it wisely for the kingdom of God, dear Father. We want to put as much into kingdom business as we possibly can through the local church and through missions and, and helping and sending kids to camp and missions trips and all of these things. Lord, we need your help, and we need to give generously so that we can do these things. And Father, I pray you'll show us how real you are in this area of giving, and we thank you that you've allowed us this privilege And it also brings you honor. And Lord, that's why we do it. We love you. You love a cheerful giver. And we love you. And we want to please you. And we want to honor you in all that we do. So help us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. The piano's playing. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Maybe God's speaking to your heart. You can have a prayer around an old-fashioned altar. You can have prayer right where you stand, but talk to the Lord about your life and what it is God wants to do with you, through you. God bless you. so good to have each one of you here with us tonight. Remember this Sunday, Jim Shetler is preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night. Yeah, he's a wonderful guy. He's, it's amazing that he can be, uh, he's, he's not my age, he's not elderly, but he's, he's getting there. And he's, he is a ball of energy and wisdom uh, as, as all of Brother Bushy's here. And he's not nearly as old as either one of us, but he's a ball of energy too. And what a blessing it is to be there. I am leaving tomorrow morning around 4 a.m. to go visit my 89-year-old mother uh, in North Carolina, where my brother and two sisters will be as well, and some of their children. And so you pray for me and Miss Vicki as we travel. And I I, want to honor my mother while she's alive. And so I I try to go every year uh, just to let her know I love her. I have the best mom in the whole world. And I think by traveling there, I let her know I do believe that. So God bless you. And you're going to have a good week. Uh, The conference on Friday and Saturday for the college and career and young adults. It's going to be a wonderful time. I hope you'll be a part of that. And thank you so much. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer and we're, we're through. Father, you're so good to us. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for being so kind to us individually and to our people. And I pray you'll continue to bless and meet all the needs that we have, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.